I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. Here we go. Another episode of Pocket Presence. Thank you guys for coming back. I thought it was going to be a snooze fest on Sunday, but it ended up being a decent slate. But we do have some breaking news. At my time of recording, it is Monday morning early, and Frank Reich fired. We all saw it coming, but we also didn't see it coming this soon, and we didn't see it being this bad. We knew the Panthers were a bad team, but man, they look uninspired. They look like they don't even want to be there. And hopefully, this can be a Trevor Lawrence situation for Bryce Young, where he gets a new guy to step in and give him a shot, give him a real chance to be a guy like a number one overall pick would expect. We'll see how it plays out. We had a huge weekend of ball, like I was saying, and man, I'm just going to cut to the chase. If you guys were following along on social media, we had a lot riding on the Gus Bus experience. One touchdown. I made a lot of DFS entries, and for some reason, all of them came down to a Gus Edwards anytime touchdown, which he has hit in the last six weeks. I believe he has nine rushing touchdowns in six weeks. And this week, John Harbaugh just decided to screw us to give Keaton Mitchell more carries, more attempts, more everything, more burn than Gus Edwards, even goal line carries. And the Gus bus stalled out, popped a tire, and it cost me about $8,200 in potential earnings off of like a couple $80 plays. I've never been so upset in my life at playing DFS but, you know, that's just how it goes. You win some, you lose some. I will say that most of my predictions yesterday were crazy. And I guess it would be most of them on Sunday at this point in time that you're listening. But it felt like such a good slate. I was locked in and it all came down to the Gus bus and I should have known. I should have known it was too good to be true, but here we are. We're going to dive right in to a super fast recap of the Sunday action. We kind of know who teams are by now, but there's still a few teams that just kind of keep surprising us with their shenanigans, one of them being the Saints. Derek Carr, not surprising, though, in the red zone. We know he's bad in the red zone, and that showed up against the game against the Falcons. Desmond Ritter off the bench came in and played pretty well, had some turnovers, but also made some big-time plays, used his legs when he needed, and was a better quarterback on Sunday than Derek Carr. If the Saints want to be better moving forward, they should take the suggestion of just putting Taysom Hill in the game at quarterback once they get inside the 20, 25-yard line. Probably a lot safer that way. I don't know. Just watch the tape. And you also have the Steelers and the Bengals. The Steelers, for the first time in, I think, 50-something games, had 400 yards, I believe, of offense. Kenny Pickett looked not so bad, and he looked comfortable. They gave him deep shots. They gave him back shoulders. They gave him everything that he needed to be successful against the Bengals on Sunday. And the Bengals showing that without Joe Burrow, they can't do it. Then you have the Panthers and the Titans. Titans did their thing against a bad team who ended up firing their coach. Not really a whole lot to talk about there. Derrick Henry was back, had a two-touchdown performance, 18 carries, 76 yards. Didn't have his yards that he was supposed to hit, but hey, touchdowns are good. I have them in fantasy. The Titans win and lose a draft spot. Lovely. Bucks, Colts, Gardner Minshew, kind of slinging, Jonathan Taylor running. Even Zach Moss got in on the action. Bucks just still kind of bucking around, not really doing their thing. Baker Mayfield throws a costly interception, but keeps slinging throughout the game. Just kind of one of those Bucks games where they look like they kind of could be good, but they're really not. Then we had probably game of the year, Pats-Giants. 
Holy man. Mac Jones doing what he does best. Zappy coming in and following Mac Jones in his shadow, doing the same thing. You have Tommy DeVito just showing that maybe you don't need to spend $50 million a year on a quarterback. Just get a guy off the street living in his mom's house, and he can go win you two games back-to-back -back while your starting quarterback that you paid a lot of money for isn't playing and wasn't winning you games anyways. Shout out Tommy DeVito. Budget QB. And the gabagoo. Now we got a real game, though. This one, the Texans and Jaguars. I was watching that, and this... This was one of those games for me that I felt truthfully that the refs changed the outcome of that game. There were some real phantom PI calls. If you follow Warren Sharp on Twitter, you know some of the statistics that he puts around um, ref crews and calls on teams. The Texans were, I believe, number one, if not top five, of teams that were called for DPI in the NFL. Then you have the Jaguars, who I think are number one as well in Maybe it's either number one or top four in DPI calls against them. And then you have the Hockey League crew who is top five in DPI calls. And it all came together in a perfect storm on Sunday to try and slow down this CJ Stroud masterclass. We also, in my opinion, had a phantom illegal shift on a huge Tank Dell play that was called back. Just a lot of nonsense. A lot of zebras trying to take the spotlight, if you will from this marvelous AFC South matchup. And I just didn't like it, man. I don't, I really don't like the refs anyways. I really don't like when it's one-sided and I don't like when it changes the outcomes of games. And this felt like one of those games and the Texans should make the playoffs. They're a good team. The Jaguars obviously are, are rolling right now, but I really think that the Texans were the better team on Sunday. Just didn't play out that way. And I'm going to also have to Give my public apology for fading the Broncos time and time again. This is my statement right now. Russell Wilson's back. And to see what he did extending plays against the Browns defense was really fun. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was such a Broncos hater early in the year, mainly because I can't stand Sean Payton and his antics. But they're playing good football right now. Russ looks so much better. 15 pounds lighter and mobile and able to extend plays like old vintage Russ hit people in the corner of the end zone. And it's really fun to watch. And they have a pretty good O-line, a good run game that leads to Russell Wilson's play action ability, more time in the pocket, more time to scramble. They have a decent recipe right now, but I do want to see this defense play against a good offense because they haven't really recently, even like when they play the chiefs, the chiefs are not a good offense right now. But I want to see the Broncos play somebody. I want to see them play against an offense that has weapons, that has guys that can stretch the field and put a little pressure on Russell Wilson to have to play from behind a little bit. I want to see that. I want to see what they can do because if they make the playoffs, if they find a way to squeak in, I think they're going to be in for it. But as of right now, they're trending in the right direction. Another game that I was honestly just so wrong on, the Rams and the Cardinals, I thought the Rams were going to be kind of cooked. Their O-line held up great. Stafford played pretty well through some through an ugly interception, but he also was slinging it. Really, this all came down to the Cardinals' defense, in my opinion, playing super uninspired football. They don't look like they even want to be out on the field. As soon as a player gets around the edge on them, guys stop trailing, stop running. Like When you see the 49ers' defense play and there's a big play that happens, you see so many guys running the ball, trying to knock it out late, get a late hit, not a late, late hit, but a hit late to try to force a ball out. The Cardinals are just letting people run wild on them. And that defense is uninspired. It looks like the coaches lost the team a little bit. But I will give a shout out to Kyler Murray for playing through the end. Greg Dorch popping up. I had Greg Dorch on my bench like four or five weeks ago. 
ended up dropping him, but I wish I would have kept him because Kyler likes him. And I remembered from last year that Kyler liked him. Should have waited for Kyler to get back, but I didn't. Shout out to Kyler and Greg Dorch. Both of them played pretty well. Chiefs Raiders almost gave us a little bit of a heartache for those that had parlays or anything like that. Chiefs started off, what, 14 or 0 to 14 against the Raiders, and they came back. Their offense looked alive. And it was really fun to watch the Chiefs get into a little bit of a hurry up mode. Kind of looked like the older Chiefs. And Pacheco running wild. I saw this meme the other day of it was like an underground like bomb, like a TNT like line where it's like and it's all just blowing up. And somebody said when Pacheco gets a handoff. I mean, it just looks like the ground is in pain when he's running, and I love it. I got him on my fantasy team. It was a really good pickup for me in the draft and almost traded him away, but I'm glad I didn't because I'm on a playoff run right now. Raiders defense, a little disappointed. They have some studs. Their team, like, you can see where if they get the right pieces, they're a couple pieces away from being, like, a really fun-to-watch team. I think Aiden O'Connell played pretty well, um, but I don't think that that style of quarterback is going to get it done or elevate you long-term, especially when you're in a, in a division with Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and now Russell Wilson, like, I don't, I, I don't think that Aiden O'Connell's ceiling will ever get you where you need to go. You're going to need a guy that can extend plays, that can win with his feet, and also throw downfield, ball on the run. And I don't really see that out of Aiden O'Connell. But in the meantime, he's a good backup. Like, they're going to be searching for another guy. Probably game of the week, maybe even game of the year. Eagles, Bills, man, what a wild game to watch. Shout out to both teams, man. Both teams played, like, championship type football I would say the Eagles got a little bit of an early gift wrap from the refs in many situations but they also did what they needed to win the Bills had a chance to win the game and they did not and if you keep that Eagles team hanging around for long enough they got enough seasoned vets enough guys that have been there done that that they're going to find a way to win and honestly even with the refs being involved the Bills did what they kind of do best and they found a way to lose a game that they had in the bag so that puts the Bills on the outside looking in on the playoff race. We'll see if they can overcome that challenge, but they have the roster to do it. Their offensive game plan, their play caller, pretty solid now. But man, they just got to put it all together and they got to do it quickly because this AFC race to the finish is going to be a tight one. Ravens, Chargers, something else to look for going forward, man. The Ravens almost lost this game and it all, in my opinion, came down to offensive play calling and Harbaugh being really weird. This was, I've watched a lot of Ravens games and this might've been the worst head coached game of Harbaugh that I've seen in a long time. He had two blatant first downs that there was a bad spot by the refs that he didn't even try to challenge. Like, and then they didn't get the fourth downs. One of them they got, one of them they didn't, I believe. But to put yourself in that situation, man, if you can't make the decision for yourself or see or whatever, you have got to have a guy that is always looking and able to call down because that's two times in a real good game against a good team, that would have cost them that game. They were so close to losing that game because of not challenging the spot. And again, the refs blew it very blatant first downs on both situations. But between that and the decision to keep on stretching the field like horizontally instead of just running for your five yards of pop that you were getting with Gus Edwards there in the third quarter. They got away from what they're really good at, in my opinion, for most of the game. Until the very end when Zay Flowers hit that long touchdown run to make it 20-10, to 10, 
I mean, they only had 13 points and they were rolling on offense, but they just kept stalling out and stalling out because they were trying to get too cute. The 2023 Baltimore Ravens are not a cute team. They're a hit-you-in-the-mouth team. They're a downhill running team, and they just wanted to get away from that on Sunday Night Football for some reason. Also, I, I would be remiss if I did not say the Chargers defense, for the first time this season, under Staley, they looked pretty solid. They did a good job. They had a good game plan. Chargers offense was what struggled. They turned the ball over a lot. That's what you're going to get against the Ravens defense if you're not holding on to the football. They are going to force fumbles. They're going to hit you. They're going to punch at the ball, and you're going to lose it. And the Chargers can't get out of their own way. But that's the theme. Even though Staley fixed the defense for this one week, he's still in charge of the entire team, the cohesive unit. And I just don't know how much more this team can take before he's out of there. And obviously, this episode is recorded before Monday. So I don't know what happens in this Bears-Vikings game. But if I had to guess, the Vikings win kind of barely. Justin Fields runs for a lot of yards. And it's pretty much a weird snooze fest. Josh Dobbs probably has one or two Josh Dobbs plays. and. uh yeah, probably not a whole lot to talk about. But what we do have to talk about is fantasy season heating up, waiver wires, trade deadlines for most leagues have just hit. It's over. And you are going to have to make your hay on the waivers. And right now, it's slim pickings. You do have some teams. Again, if you're in the playoff hunt still, if you're still alive for your season, you could be the beneficiary of teams that are just not searching for the waiver wires. You know, some of the guys that have tapped out won't even log on to their account anymore. Take advantage. Trades win you games. Waiver wires wins you leagues. And this is what I got for you this week. If you guys are hurting in the running back category, my first one that's available in most leagues right now is actually Jeff Wilson, Miami Dolphins running back. He had a really good productive game as a number two running back without reaching the end zone in this Jets game. He had three receptions for 17 yards on three targets. And he had 11 rushes for 56 yards. And one thing that I'll say is he actually looked like a little more explosive than uh, Mostert. Mostert, at this point in the year, legs are probably getting a little heavy. He's, had a, he's been a workhorse this year. He's going to get his touchdowns. Mostert's still going to get his. But if you're desperate for a running back and you're decimated and you got guys on by, like there are not many running backs to go around right now. So many on IR. If you need a guy that can get you five-plus points, Jeff Wilson's going to be that guy. Obviously, we all want the 10-point guys. But Jeff Wilson is at least worth a bench spot. And he's available in 81% of leagues, only 2% started. So take it for what it's worth. I think he's worth, you know, a touch. And if Mostert misses some time, if he gets hurt or anything, Jeff Wilson's going to be that lead back. Could win you a playoff game. You never know. Another guy that's kind of in a similar situation that I think is worth adding to your roster in a bench spot, Dearness Johnson. If Travis Etienne goes down, same exact situation. D. Johnson had seven rushes for 19 yards, which is not great, but he was also involved in the pass game. He had a 42-yard reception. He's pretty explosive when he gets the ball in his hands, and they featured him in a, in a really big, critical game. I like to see what players are being leaned on in divisional matchups, and the fact that he got some burn in a big game against the Texans, I like it. Again, all that it takes is one rolled ankle, one little shoulder ding, and the starting back is out, and then your playoff implications, your whole season is riding on these guys that are obvious starts, go get the handcuffs. Ernest Johnson is the handcuff right now. We're talking about guys that are going to get you probably 10, 12 points. 
if you need a guy on the bench that'll be a five-point guy just in case you absolutely need him because you're decimated, there's that. But now we're going to move to tight ends. I don't see I don't see a lot of guys at receiver right now that I love, but tight ends, this guy pops out for me heavy, Gerald Everett. A lot of people have dropped him. He's had some injuries this year. He's missed some time, has been very sketchy on the productivity scale. But the Chargers are at the point in their season where they're playing from behind most games and they're throwing the ball. And Everett showed that he can be a big play guy. He had four receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. 12 fantasy points for a guy that's just sitting there on waivers who earlier in the year, I thought it was a top 15, top 12 tight end. Go grab him. Go stash him. Again, tight ends are decimated. Mark Andrews is out. Some of these other guys are dinged up. Gerald Everett will be claimed this week. Go get your claim in. And not to mention the games that they have coming up. You have New England. Okay, but you have Denver, Vegas. Buffalo, they're going to be games that they're probably going to need to sling it a little bit in. Again, they like to sling it anyways. Go get your target guy. Go get your volume guy. Everett might win you a game. And last but not least, this is one of my big philosophies in fantasy. You can never be too attached to your kicker and defense. Unless you have the best kicker and the best defense in the league, everything's available. And right now, you're getting to the point where some of these kickers that have just been sitting on waivers, racking up points, are still available. Same with defenses. It's very matchup-based. In the fantasy football, this stretch of the year, and in playoffs, the difference in like three to four points per player changes everything. And right now, in some of my leagues, there's Jason Sanders, who is kicker number 24 right now, and he's available. In the last two weeks, he's had 10 fantasy points, and he's had 12 fantasy points against the Vegas Raiders and the New York Jets. And now he plays against Washington. The Dolphins are going to Washington. They should have a good game. And this is a guy that, like, look, if you don't have a Justin Tucker or an Elliott, go swap out your kicker for him because the Dolphins are going to be putting up points. Manders suck. Ron Rivera's not really a good coach. He's just an 8-8 eight eight coach forever in the history of time. Go get you a kicker that for this week you know is going to put up points. Another guy that I do like, too, in the kicking department, Chris Boswell. Steelers offense looked like the best that they have in, what, four or five years, yards-wise. Let's hold on now. But they're moving the ball, meaning they're getting in the red zone. Chris Boswell's getting more burn, more of an opportunity. He had 11 kick points last week, and he's a guy that's going to make his kicks. He's a really good kicker. If you get him on the fringe range, all you need is a little bit of yards each drive, and he's going to get an opportunity to make some kicks. They play against Arizona this week and New England the week after. He's a guy that, like, look, you could go grab him, drop your kicker if your kicker's got some shitty matchups and roll with them for the next few weeks. I like it. Could win you some games. I keep saying, all of these little things, when games are coming down to four or five points a pop, when you're having playoff implications on the amount of points scored, don't just stick to a kicker just because of his name. Go with a good kicker with good matchups. And lastly, we got defenses. Same thing. Don't be too attached. I have... I drafted a defense this year. Um, I drafted the 49ers defense. Like I reached for them, and they've been pretty good for me this year. But I have put them on my bench and had better matchups with the Packers when they played a bad team. I've grabbed the Bengals when they played a bad team, and it's always worked out. So I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to say, if you have a defense you love, but they have a bad matchup, go grab a defense off waivers that's probably available and run with it. And yes, I'm looking at you, Atlanta Falcons defense. Had 15 points against the Saints. Had a pick six, had a sack, two forced fumbles, bunch of goodies. Guess who they're playing this week? The New York Jets. Holy shit, if I've ever seen a good matchup for a defense that's ready to go to work, 
against an offense that can't do anything, I would be willing to put the San Francisco 49ers on the bench this week to roll with the Falcons' defense. The way they play offense is ball control. The way they play defense, big hits, big plays. I like this matchup, and I don't even think that the Jets are going to have an opportunity to have like 60 plays run this game. The clock's going to be rolling. It's going to be a heavy ground game. Probably get a few sacks in critical situations, maybe a turnover or two. Tim Boyle, nice guy. Love you, dude. But he turns the ball over a lot. He's always turned the ball over in college, in the NFL. I don't even know what that stat is, but I saw it this weekend. It's pretty wild. I like the Falcons to roll against the Jets this weekend. It's worth it. Season's on the line. Go grab the Falcons defense. I like these Nuggets, man. I really do. I think that they're going to help you win games. They're guys that I'm trying to claim and teams that I'm trying to claim on defense in my leagues to throw on my bench because you can never have enough depth at this time of the year. You don't know what happens. You don't know what playoff implications happen where maybe a team has a, has a card locked up, has a spot locked up, and they're going to be benching players in the last week. Everything matters, and I'm not going to miss an opportunity to build with more depth. So go hit the waivers. It'll help you win games. But that's what I got for you guys this week. Trying to set the stage, help you out a little bit. I'm going to be watching intently for the injury report, everything in between. And come time for Thursday, we are going to be locked and loaded for another wild slate of picks, entries, fantasy, and everything in between. If you guys are enjoying the content, which I really hope you are. I've seen a lot of really awesome responses, reviews, and everything in between. I'd love for you guys to follow Pocket Presence across all socials and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I am your host, Kurt Benkert. This is Pocket Presence. See you next time.